Welcome to the Reimagined Podcast, a podcast that seeks to reimagine faith and life and community as we link, learn, and live together. I'm Greg English, along with Brad Hoffman and Brian Dupuy. Today, on episode 53, we share life stories, their impacts, and what the other side can look like. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Hey. Hey. Hey, what's happening? How are you? Uh, we're doing it. Yes, we are. We are. Yes, on the other side of one are. year. That's right. The first. Yeah, yep. that's After right. year one. Yep. So, all right, let's move on with that. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a celebration. celebration. That was a yeah, celebration. celebration. Yeah. We're, we're, simple, right. we're simple people. That's simple people. right. Fantastic. Simple celebration. Yeah. Fantastic. So, um, hey, Brian, I want to follow up on a couple of things. Yeah, uh, please. Yeah. I, I want to know how the boy's doing, uh, we're, you know, with, with all the COVID regulations, environments. Fall sports backed up, winter sports backed up. Yes. But your boy's in the middle of football. What's it like? Yeah. How, you, how you doing with the parenting? Oh, it's great. He's he's <laughs> he's loving every second of it. And in fact, uh, the last game, uh, he he was in and he's playing linebacker. And he, oh, and, and he's, yeah. he's, he's five, three, one twenty. Yes. West, right? Yeah. 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 For sure. For sure. So it's he a gets small to hit. It's he a gets small to hit. hit. If it's a linebacker, he could hit. Yeah. That's the, that's the goal. That's, that's the goal. Uh, that's a good, that's a good I, position. Yeah. yeah. Hit or be hit as they say. <laughs> I know. So I you, had had the you do the hitting. <laughs> I said, Hey, how many tackles you got? He said, I got three last night. I said, that doesn't count if you were, if some, if you were on the ground hugging somebody. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he gets up from one play and he's doing this whole thing with his arm, like rotating his arm and, uh, you know, moving it all around and I can just feel my wife next to me. Oh yes. Like, yeah. like yeah. she sits at attention and now she's staring and then she starts mumbling something. And then, you know, she's talking to me. Oh, Oh, he's hurt. He's hurt. Now we've had a couple of kids, <laughs> collarbone, uh, oh, broken, mm, yeah. uh, someone just tore up their leg. And so she has all that in his mind. Then she starts seeing him doing the old arm rotation. Like he's got, he's got a Charlie horse or something. And, uh, she's like, Oh no, he's, he's hurt. He's hurt. Is he okay? Is he okay? Is he, he's, he's still moving it. Are they keeping them in? Why are they keeping them in? I'm like, honey, can, I think can, I, can I get your thoughts right now? Just <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was about to call security. Can we, can we? She was fine. She was fine um, because she's the one. You know, she was very timid about the whole process uh, of him playing football. But the first few games, when she's in there afterwards, she's talking. I'm like, Evan, you got, you just got to get in there, man. You got to. <laughs> You just got to go in, like be aggressive, you know? And I'm like, uh, oh, come on. So she was, she was doing that up until the point when, when he, he got a little, little sting there on the, on the arm. But, so uh, you just kind of threw me back a little bit when you mentioned the, you know, collarbones and things like that. Do you, let's, let's take a ride back to what we used to call peewee football. Mm, yeah, yeah. yeah. I had a, I had a Pop coach. Warner, yeah. yeah. I had a coach that, uh, I mean, we're like in third grade, you know, we're yeah. practicing from six to nine every night. And yeah. he's like, you remember you used to get in this the circle and you, everybody had a number and you call the number and the football was in the middle and oh, you yeah. had to run out, get the ball and just get <laughs> drilled, you know, kind of thing. And mm. I remember we're doing that drill and he'd run around and he was like a mountain kind of guy, mountain man kind of guy. He goes, you're going to be a crybaby, get your mama's back pocket. Like that, was, that, was his whole, that was his whole thing. But I going, remember we used to wear the phone uh, collar. Oh, yeah. 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 Gary Dexter Hogaboom, I think. He quarterback with the uh, the old, the New England Patriots, and did he go to the Bears? Boy, that does not sound familiar. Maybe it was maybe it was just with the Patriots, but he wore the the old 
collarbone neck brace and yeah. remember the shoulder pad i mean this is becoming my yeah. show about apparel like by the massive way. <laughs> massive pads made like by bulldog above your ears right? yeah. Yeah. bulldog pads you know <laughs> uh, this you was can't fun. move but <laughs> yeah yeah did you uh did you have pads what'd y'all do oh yeah well i, I mean i played in the day when we really played football <laughs> <laughs> leather helmets none, yeah none of, this, <laughs> none of this wimp stuff you no, know no it's cancellation like, because you know, it's raining no yeah. no yeah. it's just like it's like growing up in florida it was you played uh um, I mean, we joke about it, you know, the heat here, um, you know, it's kind of like that, you know, it's too hot to play. we got to take off our helmets. So like, we didn't yeah. do that in Florida. Yeah. I mean, growing up in the seventies, <laughs> man, that was like, what you did is, you know, it was a hundred uh, degrees. You practiced three hours. You got a water break. Your water <laughs> break was sitting on your knee while the water person came by and you could get two swallows of water. That was however much water your mouth could hold. It's worse than being twice. in a dentist chair. And yeah. that's it. That's it. That's all the water, all the break you got. And then you ran. I mean, I mean, it's like, and you do the sled. And Twice a day. Stuff. And then they gave you salt pills. Yeah. It's a day of salt pills. Yeah. You know, mm. it's like, wow, mm. really? So wow. you're like, man, he is old. <laughs> wow. That's, yeah, that's good. That's like real football. Yeah. You yeah. need to do like a motivational And that was just, speaking. that was just, that yeah. was just junior high, man. I'm about, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> that was third that grade. Even, that wasn't even high school. I'm about to come across the table and hit Brian. That fired me up. <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember, I remember, yeah, Dale, Dale, uh, Coach Dale, man. He was, um, he was all of five foot five and 400 pounds. Mm. My, bro- my brother wants you to push him on the sled. <laughs> oh. my, my brother played on the uh, Virginia State Pop Warner Championship team. They ended up playing oh, a wow. team from Connecticut. Odd, oddly enough, uh, Kelly was actually a cheerleader for that team when we really didn't know each other back then. But his, his coach was Animal Thompson. That was his name, nickname Animal. Okay. And you would sit down and you would do those six-inch leg crunches, and he would jump mm. on your gut. Like through practice, just walk along and just jump yeah. on you while you're doing that. Uh, you, you don't uh, see that today. You don't do that anymore. <laughs> no. No. Oh. That, I think you can do it else. in your backyard, Brian. Yes. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I had a delay in my peewee football career because they only played games on Sundays. Oh, really? Oh. Yes. I can and, hear the story now. It was like my baseball practices on Wednesday night. We yeah. don't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So until I got to a certain age when my games were later on Sunday, then then I was allowed to play. I guess but the um, until blue laws then, had long since passed. Until yeah. then, it was holiness under the Lord. Did your parents understand that was scholarship lost? Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> oh. so, yeah. All right, well, that's good. It's always fun to look back at different yes, stories. And, and we're going to talk about stories today. Yep. And uh, we're excited uh, today on the podcast as we look at, at a life story and we look at what uh, how we walk through those stories and what they look like on the on the other side. So today we welcome Stacy Stanford to the podcast Stacy is an assistant principal for the Hanover County Online School, which is the home of the Owls. Yes, that's right. That's and right. Uh, she's married to her husband, Bobby, Ooh, and they have two kids together. And so we're excited, Stacy, to have you here yes. and to hear uh, your story. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm yeah, excited absolutely. to be here today. Absolutely. Yeah. We're glad you're here. Yeah, virtually, too. That's right. That's right. That's what you do. It's like my life now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how is it? I don't know if I should ask this question. How is it being an assistant principal in an online program? It's definitely, it's different, you know, and I have found ways because I am such an extroverted person and get all of my energy from people that has by far been the most difficult part and not feeling like I can like get my hands on kids and be able to really like 
look at me and tell me why you're not doing your work. How can I help you? So it's that part of it's been hard to navigate, but I am enjoying getting to know um, the cool part about the Hanover County online school. is like, we've got teachers from all four middle schools together. So I'm getting to see different teachers and different styles of teaching different kids from, from all over Hanover. So that that's been unique and different too, but it is a little lonely sometimes I'll be honest, you yeah. know, this, the screen isn't the same as being with real humans. <laughs> now, now do children still get sent to your virtual office? If, uh, if they're in trouble, do they, do they show oh, up I on a Zoom? I recently to like a Pac-Man game. If yeah. they, there's not a lot of discipline, you yeah. know, thankfully, because they're just kind of doing their thing or they're hiding behind their screen. But right. when I do have to come talk to a child about something, I, like I said, I equated it to Pac-Man because it's like, I show up and they know why. So I'm like the ghost, like chasing Pac-Man. So <laughs> yeah. And then they, they disappear. So <laughs> they go up that that top uh, top and bottom, yeah, come out the bottom. bottom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. I love Pac Man, man. Yeah. So they know why I'm coming. Yeah, that's, that's great. funny. Oh, the terror of being on your screen and yeah. then seeing the assistant principal pop I'm up. I'm just there. curious how many uh, people made it to level two. Yeah, <laughs> a few, a few. Yeah, that's fun. Wow, oh, that's uh, good. That's well, good. we're excited uh, to have you and to hear about your story. So, I just the best way is jump in. Can you share a little bit? bit about about your story uh, for a few moments yeah sure so I um, like you mentioned I'm Hanover born and bred and been married to my childhood sweetheart Robbie for I think it's 18 years this July so we have two kids together Chase who's 10 Cadence is seven and like you said you know I've worked in Hanover County for 20 years Um, I've worked in both middle and high school so it's been neat to you know have those families, I like to call them, from my various schools. I've really only been in three schools. I've been in one middle school, one high school, and then now the online school. So Mm. lots of um, experiences that way too. But in April of 2019, I went for my yearly checkup to the OBGYN, just like I hope all women do. Um, It was actually, even though I was um, 41 at the time, it was my first mammogram. I didn't realize that you had to like make a separate appointment for that. So I just made my appointment like normal, went to see my doctor. And it was interesting because at the end she said, Stacey, are you off today? You know, I know you work in a school, um, but if you have time, you know, we could, we could squeeze you in for your mammogram upstairs. And I was like, well, yeah, all right, I'll go have it done. You know, knew that I needed to get one done. And from that moment, everything changed. Like the next seven days were, um, just a flurry of appointments and phone calls and tests and just craziness. When I think back now to all that happened in those seven days from April 18th to April 25th, um, it, it, it's crazy to think about. So here I sit before you on my birthday today. I am 43 <laughs> and super excited to be celebrating it. But um, yeah, thank you. Um, you know, here I sit with um, new hair and uh, post 30 rounds of chemotherapy, 25 rounds of radiation, double mastectomy, reconstruction, and now I'm on some medication for the next 10 years. So those are all my stats that yeah. kind of lay out where yeah. I've been since April 2019. Yeah, that, that this is so awesome to hear. Absolutely. And uh, we're celebrating that with you and uh, just really great um, 
just to say I understand a little bit, in 1988, I was diagnosed with cancer, and I was the fourth person in the world with that particular kind of schwannoma tumor. So, wow. so your stats and your story and your, your release and your um, joy, uh, you know, is, is a connecting point. And so that's, it's great to hear. So tell us a little bit about faith is how has faith played a part in your story. Can you share some things that from this journey, um, how has that been for you? So it started, I think, from um, just the the day of diagnosis, you know, like I mentioned a a bit ago, it was just a whirlwind of a week. You know, I get this phone call, go for this scan then go here, go there. So I normally go out to short pump for um, my appointments where my doctor is, but I actually asked and she even said to me, you know, can you just go to the mechanical office? It's closer. You know, you've got a lot going on. They can squeeze you in. And um, I said, you know, sure. Like that, that's great. And, and I don't like anything to inconvenience or have to take off work. So it was like, yes, well, that's more convenient. Like I don't have to take any time off and I can just run over. So um, not knowing until I walked in that there'd be a beautiful little angel there to help me through all of this. And her name is Kelly English. And I didn't know and didn't put two and two together until as we kind of went through a few more of those appointments. But I remember sitting um, there the day before the biopsy they were going to do. And, you know, my mom asked, you know, do you want me to go with you? And I was like, no, it's like no big deal. Like, I'm still trying to play this off. Like, it's not a big deal. All these people are wigging out and I'm not like, we're just, it's just an appointment. Like, it's not a big deal. And I remember sitting there and I just felt like the room was closing in on me. And the tears were coming down my face and I couldn't get myself together. And Kelly, like I made eye contact with her and she got up, came over and said, come on back. They weren't even ready for me yet, but she just knew in that moment that I needed an escape. Like I had to just, you know, get out, get out right then. So she helped me through that appointment. Then I came back 48 hours later and, you know, I joked a lot that, we, Ravi and I knew walking in there because they took us to the little office. It's like a movie. Took us to the little office with the sad couch and the box of tissues. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yep, this isn't going to be good news. So um, Kelly was actually there for the whole process. It was wonderful to have a familiar face there because you know, when you hear those, hear that news, um, and I and know you can relate to this, Greg, like you don't, you hear it and then it's like, you don't know what to think from there. And then the doctor's telling me all this information and and I'm not hearing anything else. So it was nice that, um, after, you know, the doctor had his, said his piece that, you know, he could, um, Kelly stayed with us and helped us kind of digest and said this, I said, just tell me what the next step is. Please don't give me the next 500 steps. Like I need to know, you know, just step one. And so, um, she really did help kind of ease my fears and help us through and kind of navigate that beginning. So, um, I'm so appreciative of her. I hope she knows, you know, what that, what that meant for me, um, you know, in those moments as well. Um, the crazy thing is that night, um, we went to my son's baseball game. Like after we told our immediate family and then I was like, I'm going, I'm going to a baseball game. Cause like, mm-hmm. I want life to stay as normal as possible throughout this entire process. So that's what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think coming back to my, you know, my faith walk, there's, uh, it's always, faith has always been such a big part of who I am. And I have always really lived by that love unconditionally. Um, 
And I think that when you're in the thick of things, sometimes it's really easy to be mad at God. And, and, and I've been mad, you know, but I also know that cancer isn't God's fault. Like he didn't cause that, um, you know, it is about how many times these detours that we have in life are how can we grow from it and how can I use my experience um, you know, to, to help someone else through. If I can help one person, then, then, you know, I've done hopefully what God has intended me to do. So, um, like I said, that I come from a place of joy and I feel like joy is really related to, it's a choice that you make every day and it's something that you can control. Um, you know, my glass half full kind of girl, like, even though this cancer diagnosis was here, um, it almost was a competition for me. I'm very competitive. So I was like, well, cancer's not going to win. This is not the end of me. So I think keeping all of those things in mind and just, um, you know, praying about it and knowing like, how are you going to use me within this God? Like what, what can I learn from this? You know, how can I help those moving forward? How can I make an impact with, with my story? So what did you, um, which is incredible. Um, you know, when you think about the faith journey and you think about where you've been over the last couple of years, what are some things that you've learned in that moment? Um, what have you learned in a sense through that? Yeah, I think, um, for me that, you know, in those moments it's, it can be messy. Um, you know, God doesn't expect you to be perfect and that, you know, reaching out to him in those, in those moments of panic and the, in the, deepest, darkest times can really, you know, lift your spirits and give you that calm and peace that you're seeking out that you can't find in just everyday things, you know, um, in, in the moments of when I felt the worst with the chemo or I was the most tired, um, you know, if I just would take a moment you know, God would show me, it, it could be anything really, like it would be a, a phone call of someone offering help or, um, you know, a verse that would come to me to just give me some strength in those, in those moments. So I think, um, knowing that your faith walk is up and down, like a roller coaster, like some days it, it's good. And, and, and God and I are on the same page. And then some days, like maybe I am a little frustrated, but, um, you know, the prayers don't have to be like in a neat little package. Um, you know, God expects us to, to, he wants to see all of us. And I think that's what I learned through this too. He wants to see the good, the bad, the ugly. And for me, you know, really relying on him to give the strength to get through this whole, whole journey. Now, Stacy, you were, you were able to take people along with you on the, on this journey, um, partly through things that you would write, uh, and, and kind of invite people into that story. Why, why was that important for you uh, to, to do that? I think that was something early on. Like I've always been one to journal ever since I was a little girl and I really loved to write. And I thought, you know, I want, I want to be able to tell my story somehow. I want people to know what's happening with me. And you know, one of my favorite authors is Lisa Terkurs because she is raw and real and she's had a, she's had a rough life herself and her writing just speaks to me in a way. So I, you know, thought I, I could do the same. Like if someone doesn't want to, cause there were times that I didn't want to talk about cancer. Like 
I didn't want to go to a support group. I didn't, I didn't want to talk about it, but I could write about it. And it was therapeutic for me in a sense too. And I thought I'm documenting this, you know, for, in the hopes that it would help someone else down the road. It's helpful for me today to even go back and read what I've written, Um, you know, and it's a testament to my faith and how, you know, like I said earlier, even in the, even in the dark moments, here's where I found the good, the joy in the day, the things to be thankful for. That's good. That's, uh, that's powerful. And and I know there are a lot of people that read and, uh, and, and and that spoke to so many people. Um, Question for you, the two is, um, what would you say to another mom who's diagnosed with a similar diagnosis, um, similar stage in life, um, just found out? What do you think is the most um, most important message for them to hear? What would you say to them? I think in that moment um, that it's okay to not be okay. <laughs> you know, we've heard that. It's funny. We've heard that a lot with this pandemic, you know, mm-hmm. that it's, it's okay to not be okay. And I think for me, I found a lot of strength in knowing that my kids are young and I, from the beginning said, I don't want, I don't want to be that sick mom. I don't want them to think about their childhood and think about, you know, mommy was so sick then it's when mommy didn't have hair. It's when mommy wasn't able to go do this or that. So I drew a lot of strength in being showing my children how to be strong and resilient you know, through a a journey like this. So I think for, you know, a mom who may be just like me is that again, it's, you know, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to have the the bad days and it's okay to have the good days, but some days you just got to get up and go and do your best. So um, taking it one day at a time, there's, there's just, I have learned so much through this as far as just doctor's appointments and the magnitude of information that they give you and that, you know, have a partner go through this with you or a friend that can go to appointments with you, you know, trying to give them taking it one, one step at a time, one appointment at a time. So uh, you, the, um, one of the things that I think of, um, oftentimes we, we don't know what to say. If we've not been through something, we don't know what to say to that person. And I think about that like uh, in so many different ways. And and I think well-meaning people of myself, I've tried to be well-meaning, is I can say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing. That's not what people need. Um, if you were giving advice to somebody that wants to bless someone that's going through a diagnosis, going through uh, chemo and, and radiation and through this, through this journey, um, what's the worst thing somebody can do or say? And then what's the best thing that they can do or say? the most challenging things that, um, you know, people have said to me and, and sometimes it's, this is a great question because I think that so often people don't know what to say in these situations. Like they don't, and they don't know how to help. Um, but I know that one thing that really burned my biscuits that people (laughs) would say was that it was, it's what I eat. Mm. relating a lot like I got cancer because I don't eat very good Mm. so I think it's you know they don't sometimes people don't mean it that way but um you know or it's about your lifestyle or or how do you think you got cancer well Mm. if we knew (laughs) then we probably have a cure so (laughs) so I think sometimes 
sometimes people, you know, I know it gets awkward in those moments or telling people, you know, this too shall pass or you'll be okay. Well, sometimes I didn't feel like I was going to be okay. So I think those are some of the things that kind of were triggers for me in a sense of like, yeah, no, this, that's really not what I want to hear right now. Um, you know, some of the best things people said, because I am so blessed by so many people in my life, community, you know, wide friends, family, I had a great support system. Um, and oftentimes it was just, how can I help? You know, what, what do you need? What does Robbie need? What do the kids need? Um, hearing some people now tell me that, they're proud of me, you know, just for, uh, you know, fighting this fight in the way I did. And for, you know, thank you for being so open um, about your journey. I think those were things that, you know, really meant a lot to me. And of course, tell me, to, I tell lots of people I love them now because I feel like in the midst of a pandemic and cancer, well, I'm going to tell you I love you all the time because this might be the last time I get to tell you that. So I think those are, you know, the things that really offering the best thing you can do is just offer help. And if the person says they don't need it, then, you know, don't push because sometimes the help got overwhelming for me. I'll be honest. Like there was food coming out my ears sometimes after surgeries. And I know people just wanted to feed us, but we didn't have enough room in our fridge for the food. So, (laughs) you know, sometimes that gets a little overwhelming at the same time, but just that support and the, you know, knowing that people are saying, how can I help was, was big for us. So let me ask you what the other side looks like now. You've gone through the struggle. Uh, of course, we're celebrating a birthday today and, and great stories. And I'm sitting here in a little bit of silence because it's it's powerful. This, this story is just powerful. I mean, the things you're saying. And I have one word for you that I'm going to say at the end of the show. I'm saving it. But... Um, <laughs> But teaser, 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 yeah. 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 Hang on, listeners. Owl. We're not yeah. done yet. Yep, yep. Uh, so, uh, but you've gone through this. You've gone through the struggle, and uh, like me, sometimes uh, I'm not the. I'm a little bit more reserved on doctor's appointments, and I, I'm now. You know, I'm. Uh, I don't know, 25 years out, more probably. My math isn't that great. Um, so, but I still have that reserve. But I still live on the other side of the story. So how are you now that you're on the other side of the story? I mean, it's, it's, it's our human nature to think back and we have this little thing in our mind uh, that's always there, but we still have to walk forward in the faith and grace that God has given us to live this life. And so I just, just curious, how, how are you now where you are? So I feel like I am the new me, I guess I could say, Mm -hmm. you know, um, like you said, I feel like cancer what I have equated it to like a foam finger like she's just hanging out in the corner over there and I'm constantly just pushing back pushing back you can't come to this game with me um so I feel like I'm in a in a good place but that fear I feel like I was even talking to my mom last night about it that it will always be there. The, you know, you notice something, something new because I had zero symptoms. It was my first mammogram. I am what I I will tell you, I'm the person that checks no on every single box. And then it's like, have you had cancer? Yes. So healthy, what God gave me a good body, um, and strong body, but this was the one thing, you know, the, the big health thing that I had. So I think it's always going to be a fear for me that, I cancer. She's mean. She's vicious. She lives in your body and you don't even know it. And so I think I said to my doctor most recently, 
you are telling me I've achieved Ned, we call it, you know, no evidence of disease, but there's always the let's try this. And so I think that's what when a doctor questions and offers something else, you kind of go, well, wait a minute, you still mm-hmm. have done all that I need to do, but let's try this. So I feel like that's where I am. It's a, it's a, it's a balance right now of just looking at, I've done all that I can. I've done the hard work. Um, I always have said that, like, I only wanted to do this once. I'm sure as you did, Greg, like no one wants to do this again. And I don't wish it upon anybody else, but you know, what do I need to keep doing to make sure that happens as well? I think, um, you know, I pray a lot about releasing that fear. In fact, I, you know, most recently when I went to see the oncologist, I hadn't seen him since November, since my last infusion. And I just saw him a few weeks ago. And I, I mean, I'm pretty together, but I had a panic attack in the parking lot. Like mm-hmm. I did not want to go back in that building. It was, it just brings all those feelings up. So I feel like I had my armor on for so long and stayed so strong. And now I'm relaxing because I know like I'm over, over the, the hump, I guess, you know, the big part, um, the tough things. And so I hope moving forward, I can just continue to rely on, um, you know, on God's strength to keep me pushing forward and know that I have more to give and that, you know, this was just a chapter and this chapter, hopefully we can close it, move yeah. on, <laughs> get to something else, the next chapter, and we'll see what that brings. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a real place. And it goes back to not just the physical, but the, the mental and emotional care and the, mm-hmm. the spiritual aspects that go with it too. I mean, I, I would have to confess that uh, I, I had to come all the way to MCV. I was growing up near Virginia beach at the time and would come here and I live in the city now, but rarely do I drive around the backside of M- MCV, which is now VCU. Cause I have that same feeling mm-hmm. that she has those, yeah. those things. It's, so does it get yeah. better? Uh, it gets better, but, but it's always, be that may be the wrong question to ask, but I'm just saying, is it because you oh, my, my, away? does it, my, my, uh, my, my trust and my dependence of God's control and his great will for my life gets uh-huh. better. Yeah. The, the pictures are always there, you know, yeah. or, or the smell of the office, you oh. know, that's, you know, all, all those are, are there. I mean, you think about yeah. stories in your life, yeah. struggles or impacts, those are all part of it. But the, 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 the understanding of his grace and his goodness and his, his desire for my life to be well, or Stacy's life to be well, or your lives to be well, is what grows and what's become, what flourishes out of it. That's the proclamation, right? Yeah. So, but, um, so let me, let me ask you this. Uh, you're, you're now, you're, you're now assistant principal in the Hanover County online school. You're an administrator there. You're, you're, you're back. And of course, um, uh, you know, you got kids popping all over the screens and things (laughs) like that. So, uh, how have those students and your fellow educators, uh, helped you in this process or even getting back into where we are now with the pandemic? Yeah, I think for me that that was like a whole other support system, you know, working in education is a tough job. And I have been so blessed by, um, you know, I was at Patrick Henry for a long time to start my career. And that family there was wonderful to me. And then I was at Chickahominy for a short time before, you know, doing the online school this year with the pandemic and just the people, the teachers just taking care of me, giving me a break when I needed it. Because last year, actually two years ago, I should say, um, I was still teaching a couple of blocks during the day. So it, it was a lot, you know, on those days that I had treatments and I would come back and I would be tired. But 
they're just love and support um, for my family, I think is what, you know, really meant so much to me. Um, that was, you know, one of the things that I think I learned throughout all this. And I wrote a lot about, um, you know, when I was writing about everything that, uh, you know, the unconditional love, I feel like all that love I've given through the years just came full circle right back to me. You know, people that I didn't really expect former students who brought me dinner. I mean, it's just, that was, I think, one of the really amazing things that God showed me my impact, you know, through education, through the years, and just all the love and support that I've given for people just, again, coming, coming full circle and coming, um, you know, right back to me. It was pretty amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm. Yeah. As I'm listening to you, I'm thinking just this, this word of hope keeps coming back and forth and through the conversation, not only as you were going through uh, the treatment aspect of it, but on this side of the story as well. But there's all these glimpses of hope along the path. You talk about the dinners and the people. And and as I'm also thinking, um, you know, when you think about what can you do for somebody that you know that is on a journey similar to this, it's not the big things, but it's the little things, just being present, just offering, mm-hmm. just giving and you know, it's just the day-to-day, moment-by-moment stuff in a way. Um, and then if you're going to, if, if somebody's going to complain and say, you know, you're not eating right, that's why you got it. Well, you if you're going to say that to me, you better have like a $500 Whole Foods gift card for me if you're going to say that. So, uh, you know, that's the only way you can buy that 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 statement, but that's the only way you can do that, right? So, uh, so by yeah. you saying that, though, just made me think about, you know, the podcast is titled Reimagine for a Reason. Yeah. Uh, so we're reimagining, uh, I mean, Stacy's reimagining what life looks like. She's the, you're the new you now, right? From, from the hair to the, I, I, you know, all kinds of different things. And so I'm thinking about this idea of reimagining our lives uh, and what they can become, even as a result of struggle. Because when you're in the struggle, you're in the crisis, you cannot see that or even fathom that this is for you you know, it good will come out of this. I just think just listening to this, like the multitudes of her life story will impact mm-hmm. multiples for her good and for his glory. Yes. Yeah. And then on the other side of the reimagine, I'm thinking I'm reimagining based on your statement is that we go in with these things and we don't know what to, we don't know what to say. We don't know what to do because we're looking to do the big thing. Mm-hmm. We feel like, Oh, I got to swoop in and do this big thing to make to make it better for the person. But yet the reimagine side for the participant watching in or wanting to step in is I just need to do the little things. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know if she did it or not. I've been thinking about it the whole show. I could just see Kelly right now. First thing she probably did was put her hand just on your shoulder. She did. And just got <laughs> me so probably, Well, let me back up props for me for You're knowing right, that. Right. That's right. Yeah. But that's I was right. thinking about that. You just like, won the dating game. Uh, I, I did. Game I did. Right. But, but like it's the little things that, and those little, I don't, they're not tricks. What's another word? The, 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 just the little things. Act, of, the little acts of grace. Acts of grace. Yeah. yeah. And and let's reimagine trying to be the big winner in this thing and just step in on the small side. Yeah. yeah. Well, I agree. Yeah. So. And I think for me too, I, and, and anyone, if you interview any of my friends, people that I've known, I, this was difficult. The journey was difficult for me in a sense of I am the one that's usually taking care of everyone else. Mm. Like I'm the, 
I'm the friend that comes and brings you things or texts you or calls you or prays for, you know, all those things. And to have it flip, like now it was very hard for me at first to ask for help. Mm -hmm. Um, so just those little things were what meant the most. You know, I used to tell people all the time too, when I, when I think about you is why I might text you. Cause I feel like that's God's way of saying, Hey, you know, Brian needs you to check in on him today. Why don't you see how he's doing? So, um, that whole kind of mentality had to shift for me, but seeing all of those little things. And like I said, it wasn't just necessarily the things for me, but it was things that people did for my husband and things that they did for my kids, um, that really, you know, just made, made everything easier. I appreciate you saying that because I thought about that earlier in, in the conversation, because I think there is a shift, um, where somebody, if you're used to giving and then now you're on the receiving end. And so to, that's a struggle. That's a struggle mm-hmm. to accept help. And so I think being vulnerable and, and kind of open about that, I think is important, but to recognize that that is a struggle for people and it's okay. You know, it's okay to have the struggle, but you know, at the same time, it's okay to ask, you know, so powerful. Yeah. Yeah, well, Stacy, thank you so much for being on 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 the show today. It's yep. uh, it's a powerful story. I know Absolutely. that this will impact uh, a lot of people, yeah. and uh, I, I I share in uh, with you in that um, being able to tell your story for a greater purpose, uh, as we all can, and we each have our own unique uh, story, our own unique struggle, our our own shaping of things that make us who we're becoming, mm-hmm. and um, that. And so, I want to thank you so much for being transparent, being honest, and uh, speaking into our, our lives today. And I would, I would close with this. Typically I write down a bunch of takeaways and, and I have different bullet points, you know, on my, my pad here that I do there in these shows. And I really only have one, one takeaway today. Tenacious. Mm. <laughs> you, 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 you are the definition of tenacity. Mm. And, and if, yeah. if, that's the word. That's the that's word. The right? word. Mm. I, I don't, you know, I mean, I can see it. In, I can see it in your demeanor. I can see it in your smile. I can see it in your fight. I can, I can hear it in the joy of your story, although the story is difficult. Yeah. But yeah. I, I will say that uh, tenacity um, is a gift that you've been given. Mm-hmm. And uh, thank you for sharing that with us today. Absolutely. Well, thank you for yeah. having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. Like an owl. Tenacious <laughs> like, like an, an owl. owl. Huh? <laughs> yeah. We're going to tie it all in here, folks. <laughs> yeah. So uh, thank you for joining us on the Reimagined Podcast. You can follow us anywhere where podcasts are found on Spotify, Overcast, or iTunes, and share them and rate them. Uh, check us out on the reimaginedcast.com website. So for Brad and Brian, I'm Greg. Thanks for listening to the Reimagined Podcast. <laughs>